Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Inclusive Class Podcast. Through interviews and discussions, it's our goal to explore the promise and practice of inclusive education. I'm Nicole Eredix, and I'm one of your hosts for the show. I'm a parent, inclusion teacher, and creator of the online resource, theinclusiveclass.com. And here with me this morning is my co-host, Terry Morrow. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Nicole, and welcome to all our listeners. I am Terry Morrow. I'm the author of 50 Ways to Support Your Child's Special Education, and I write about special needs for about.com at specialchildren.about.com. I'd like to mention anybody out there listening to us live that we're not taking phone calls, but I will open up the chat room if you'd like to stop in and suggest a question. I'll try to work it in if we have time. Uh, we're still in the middle of, uh, of winter break time here at our house. Wow. It's drawing to an end. Andrew goes back uh, on Tuesday to classes, and I go back to supervising homework and panicking about every little thing. Uh, Meanwhile, my uh, daughter is busy filling out job applications for the very topic that we're talking about today, paraprofessionals. So I've told her she should listen today so she'll find out what it is she is applying to do. But, uh, you know, it was interesting, as I was talking to you about a little bit before we started, uh, yesterday we went to the funeral for a a cousin of my um, husband, who was a, a mm-hmm. woman with cerebral palsy, an elderly woman, and, you know, had had really gone through, you know, so much stuff in her life without all the accommodations and the inclusion that we have now. I don't really know much about her young life, but, you know, she worked in an office in, in New York for, you know, most of her life and her adult life. Uh, and it really, wow. you know, made me think about what, uh, how much easier I think it is now for for our children with disabilities, what they're looking ahead to, and uh, mm-hmm. what, uh, you know, what accommodates. Certainly not perfect, as we will all complain about every day. Right, And right. often on this telecast, the imperfections, but the distance that we've come uh, from what uh, this woman must have dealt with in her early life and her professional life. So, uh, you know, it's got me thinking about uh, how, how good we really do have it now, even yeah. though there's still yeah. always room for improvement and always things that will outrage us that are not right. But, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, so uh, That's great. I'm, you know, feeling happy and grateful for what we do have now. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it uh, makes you realize how good we yeah. have it at points. You know, yeah, That's like you said, right. there's always room for improvement, but um, always, when yes. you look at... Yeah, look at where where she was at and where we're at now. Yeah, and even totally I was talking to another cousin who had, uh, you know, who has children now who are probably in their 30s and 40s uh, who had learning disabilities, and she said, you know, at the time she was trying mm-hmm. to advocate for her kids, there was just no knowledge and there was no way to connect with other parents, and there was no, mm-hmm. there were no books, 
you know, and you have to really yeah, yeah. just hope yeah, that definitely. the people who were, who were working with your kids knew what they were doing. And now she's so impressed that there's websites and there's mailing lists and there's all these ways for communication. So even though yeah. I think many of us often feel like it's hard to ignore all the things that are wrong, uh, you know, it's a, a good to think about the things that are so very much easier than they used to yes. be for, for parents and, and for one of the adults as well. One of them yes. being uh, the addition of paraprofessionals to our absolutely school yes. to support our I have students been with very grateful. Needs. Yeah, those, I know those workers through my children's you, school time. You've had experiences with paraeducators as a parent quite a lot. Yes, and I've had them as a teacher, and wow, they can sure make a difference uh, when yeah, they either way. are. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was just going to say they can make way. or break. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. But, you know, so much so much to talk about uh in terms of having a paraeducator in the classroom and what their role is and um mm-hmm. you know what what they can be doing, what they should be doing. Right. And I'm so so grateful that we have um our guest with us here today who is very knowledgeable on the topic of inclusive education and paraeducators or paraprofessionals as we call them. Um, in the classroom, and I would like to introduce Dr. Ashley Malloy, who is here with us today, and he has quite an extensive background uh, in inclusive education, as well as um, currently very busy traveling the world and attending conferences and sharing his knowledge and his expertise, and I'd like to welcome to the show. Good morning, Dr. Malloy. Good morning uh, to both of you. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, having a chance to share with your audience uh, some uh, uh, past experiences I've had and some knowledge that provide them with uh, invigorated hope. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Does work. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Moyle, before we get going, actually people usually call you Dr. Ash, is that correct? I would just yeah, want to make sure. Yeah, I'm... Everyone just calls me Dr. Ash, so that's that's much more comfortable for me. Uh, so thank you for uh, uh, making that. Yeah, well, easier too to say. Um, can you quickly give the audience a bit of background about yourself before we start with our questions, just so that uh, we know what you know where you're coming from and um, sort of a, a quick overview of yeah, your experience. I can, I can do that very quickly. Basically, yeah. Whenever I'm there, uh, Terry and uh, Nicole, I speak from basically what I call four different hats. The first hat is obviously academic researcher and professor at university, so therefore I'm always researching new data, compiling new data, and certainly with a focus obviously on uh, inclusion. Also on basically inclusion for one is inclusion for all, so I like to kind of... uh, Therefore, the second one would be advocate and very uh, strongly advocate for level playing field where all children have access. Third of all, I'm a past superintendent of education, mm-hmm. board-wide educator and working with uh, teachers, putting my philosophy practical terms uh, within my uh, classroom. That role, and finally, perhaps most important of all, 
Down syndrome, and I say she was gifted with Down syndrome. So I've also had the parent side of the, the Gaskin schools as well as the... They're the four kind of experiences that I bring uh, to my work, and I travel uh, around the world, uh, heading down, as a matter of fact, to Florida uh, next week. I am a keynote uh, speaker and presenter, and Oh, excuse me, Dr. Ash, are you there? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're here. We're having a bit of uh, uh, difficulty hearing. Um, you seem to be going in and out on our um, uh, phone line here. So, in case anybody's listening, it's not just you. <laughs> so, okay. uh, I'm on a landline to make sure that there was uh, the best possible reception. Huh. Uh, so, want me to repeat yeah. anything, or did everybody hear a little bit about it, or? No, I think we were really going things. Yeah, is it possible well, for you to hang up and try calling I'll in just again? Briefly, I'm not going to speak as a researcher in terms of data and, and research, keeping up in terms of uh, teaching classes at uh, the university level on special education. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm an advocate, having continuing to serve on many many uh, uh, boards that advocate for inclusive practices. First of all, as uh, an educator, a former principal and board-wide administrator, working with students of all kinds, uh, with all special needs, different kinds of special needs. And finally, last but not least, I'm the parent of Lindsay Sarah Malloy, my daughter who was born with Down syndrome. So they're the four experiences I bring to my role in my career. Right. Thank you. Okay. And that's that's a much better um, reception. Or, you know, we can hear you a lot better. So thank you for clarifying that with us. Um, because now I'd like to ask you a very important question to start our show with, and that's one that many people have a lot of um, opinions about, thoughts about, knowledge. Can you provide us with a definition of what a paraeducator or a paraprofessional is and what their role is, what their I guess maybe more what their relationship is with the classroom teacher. Like, why are there two adults in the classroom? Uh, we know the role of the teacher. What is the paraeducator there to do? Well, I like the simple quote as follows. I see the paraprofessional as a guide on the side, kind of phrase I okay. use. Now, basically, teacher has determined specific criteria in terms of his or her job description to compile the content, to teach the content. Paraprofessional is there to implement, as directed by the teacher, some of the methodology, some of the strategies to assist that student assessing the knowledge uh, of the uh, Common Core curriculum, of uh, the different skills that are necessary for that boy or girl to be successful. Um, there has to be, so that's, that's number one. So the role is that he or she is a Paraprofessional, meaning working side by side, as we do with a paralegal, mm -hmm. with the nurse working side by side in the operating room with uh, a, a doctor. So it is a, a person who provides support for the learning environment of the student or students that he or she is assigned to. That's number okay. one. Second thing is understand that the paraprofessional does spend a amount of time to the teacher with the students, so it is a shared responsibility. I think that what we have to uh, note uh, is that each 
each of them in this partnership, and it needs to be a cooperative partnership where we respect both roles. So the teachers who have worked with Paris, certainly as Terry has indicated, know value of the work that they provide and know value that they have in terms of helping the teacher move mm-hmm. the student forward to success. So uh, they are an essential component of the educational programming for students with special education needs, and they bring that dignity to that student because uh, they have a special insight and care for that student because of the inordinate amount of time that they interact with him or her. I completely agree, and I appreciate you uh, pointing out the value that they are to not only the student but to the teacher, because often the teacher doesn't fully understand the para's role as well, and there can be a real power struggle in the classroom or, you know, between the parents and the teacher as to who is um, designing the curriculum, who's implementing it. And it just, you know, sometimes there just seems to be a a real imbalance of, uh, you know, knowledge and who's doing what. And so I really appreciate you bringing up that part of it, too, because we know how important they are to the student, but also to the teacher and to the classroom as a whole. So that's great. Yeah, I think, now, Nicole, you know, and Terry, I think that clarity is key. I think that, yes. for example, when a para is going to be assigned, important that the principal would uh, ensure that or she sits down with them early part of that meeting with the teacher and para kind of guide the discussion because, again, I think that we have to inform both parties they are clear from the principal's role what he or she expects of them and what is designated in terms of their, their roles. I think that, that there is a kind of a facilitator of that discussion. I think it's very important because I think everybody cited understanding of relationship because, you know, Nicole, Terry, I always say that the top three R's in education are no longer just reading, writing, and arithmetic. Mm-hmm. Relationship, relationship, relationship. Because mm-hmm. yeah. people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's right. That's at the adult level as well as at the. So I think clarity of all definitions is important. And the fact that uh, collaboration is part of today's world, whether it's education or business or, or, or social. Uh, people, we need dependent on each other for certain things because we created our society of human beings that either need to be collaborating successful. So the win-win situation when both of them are clear, functioning in their roles, and the win-win for them, of course, is the success. The success of the student, I think, is probably the most important outcome here, would you say? Yes, and uh, I, I will say that uh, in my own experience, I'm thinking of the paraprofessional uh, that I've worked with, uh, that daughter has had, the, the privilege of working with, I should say. Mm-hmm. They were very much an advocate and very much saw uh, the uh, activities in the school, curriculum as well as the social and activities, always through the eyes of the student, my daughter in the case. And, for example, they advocated that she would be on getting in the, in the house league school teams that were and all the different kinds of activities 
but you know, both of them, and the she, most of them were were, were female uh, parents, but they advocated for my daughter, and they kind of brought back that Lindsay belonged with everybody else. Right, and I think that sort basketball of and you know, and that, that that's the dignity of the human person must always be our first focus. And I think that sort of leads into our next question. Oh, sorry, Terry, did you have something to say? Or? No, it's okay. I was just saying it's, it's often that a paraprofessional has to make themselves available to make those things happen. You know, there has to be, if they're going to be mm-hmm. on a club or a team or something like that, often a, a para saying, I will do this, is what makes that happen. Um, and it's hard for parents to get that to happen. But uh, So, yes, it's always just, you know, so much gratitude to you know, paras who take that extra step and, and dedicate themselves to getting the child as fully included as possible. Uh, it's a great thing. Definitely. Now, what what about in terms of, and you sort of started to elaborate on it um, in in the previous question, but can you further describe the relationship then between the paraeducator and the student? Or in some cases, and I know that this, the school district that I worked in, some cases, the paraeducator actually was working with several students in the classroom, so there was yes. kind of a, a small group. I mean, so for me or for my experience and background, a paraeducator can either be working one-on-one with a student or can be working with a small group of students, I guess, depending on the needs of the school and um, the expectations of the district and, of course, the um, the need in the classroom. So can you describe sort of the relationship and what the role is between the paraeducator and the student? Yeah, I think you've identified it there clearly. The, the principal would look at distribution and assignment of staff in his or her school, and basically uh, things that would come into would be obviously IEP of the student in terms of the identified needs, the required accommodations that that, uh, that is uh, outlined in that IEP, Mm-hmm. Therefore, he or she would look at the staff uh, and what he or she audit under that first aspect and then uh, would uh, make the determination in the leadership role, place the uh, para working with one student, two students, a couple of students. Originally, the para is assigned to a classroom responsibilities right. for Para is assigned to a classroom, and the role of the para, of course, could be part of a particularly highly high need student, or uh, working with a couple of students on something like uh, read, uh, remedial reading. So, para has a very wide range of roles. So, when we uh, I was center at the National uh, Resource Center, the National Para Conference, which is and uh, I always find that, talk about the parents, their roles might be working with an ESL support, uh, for example, with special needs, identified needs such as uh, autism or Asperger's or physical or cerebral or emotional, or whatever. So they have a variety of functions. So the uh, role of the parent therefore, is very diverse. Uh, the, uh, the thing that we don't want to do is parents are working help their students become as independent as possible or move them towards independence. Now, that might be very, very slow rate. Mm-hmm. That's okay, as depending on the, the needs of the student. Ara is trying to make sure that he or she does not become Velcroed to the student because that is not the ultimate, the ultimate end because eventually the student will leave fully 
divided public education system. Don't provide for her with the best skills possible to be as independent as possible. We're not trying to uh, or overdo their needs, but do want them to be somewhat independent, provide some social interaction with their peers as opposed to having the para always present. Para, again, as, as uh, is to ensure that the para takes the lead in that. How? But then training is required, Nicole. The paras need to have professional development. This conference every year I've been at, it's called the NRC Para Conference. Um, there are paras there benefit from being with each other, first of all, and from getting some very good professional development strategy. You need to train them learning the same as we do with our teachers. Oh, I hope we haven't lost them. I'm still here. Oh, okay, Hello. okay. <laughs> okay. You, just, you, you keep disappearing for a little while. Um, yeah. So. I don't know what that is. Um, I, uh, yeah. We'll try and fill in the I, gap. I will, I will, I'm, I'm basically eating the microphone, but I will try to see if I can swallow a little bit more. <laughs> Thank you. You know, in, in in this world, you never know what's going to happen with technology. So right. we just we roll with it. Okay. That's, that's right. right. I too. Right. Yeah. Terry, <laughs> did you have a question for uh, Dr. Yeah, Ash? well, I think, I think some of the questions I had have been answered already, but let me ask one that, that I know is always an issue. I, you know, I had a, a – my, my son had a one-on-one -on -one paraprofessional pretty much all through school, which was uh, mostly good, occasionally bad. But um, one issue that, that continued to come up was the one of communication between the paraprofessional and the parents. Some years – I was able to send notes to the para. I was able to chat with the para when I picked my son up. There was no problem. Other, other years I was told I was not allowed to contact the para at all, that she could get fired for sending me a note, that everything had to go through the teacher or the principal. So it's like, you know, it depends on, I guess, the teacher and the administration and what's going on politically in the school that year and how much a pain in the butt people feel I've been being. Um, <laughs> but is there some... <laughs> What do you what do you uh, feel is appropriate in terms of communication uh, between the para and the parent? Well, um, I think first of all, obviously there are uh, rules and regulations uh, with regards to uh, teaching uh, unions. Mm -hmm. So therefore, they have uh, a particular uh, outline of, and I think that uh, the districts do want to accordance with those, uh, you know, understandings uh, in the labor relations uh, functioning. Mm -hmm. uh, but right. I, I think that, yeah, my, so therefore, you're going to get different things. You move from one district to another area, and, and uh, again, all mm -hmm. of a sudden, you'll have the same. So, you this know, the principal like and superintendent, of course, will look at the big yeah. picture, and certainly the labor relationship uh, contracts and obligations would uh -huh. be considered. But I think more importantly, uh, I have always asked for a book. Mm -hmm. In other words, I do need communication because, as we know, Terry, right. many students yeah. do not have the, the verbal uh, opportunity yeah. to be able to share, well, exactly. how was your day, son or daughter? So, therefore, mm -hmm. the parents like to know, which is as, as uh, equal uh, contributors to the education system. They are the first uh, educators of their children. That is a fact. And therefore, mm -hmm. in terms of a right. partnership, we need to understand that both one thing that teachers and parents have in mind is they want the best for their 
son or daughter. And therefore, they need right. to work together. And part of that working together is that relationship building to communication. So, for example, mm-hmm. I know that paras have something to contribute. So I'm saying, okay, even if the yeah. note comes home from the teacher, okay, the para certainly has some input and some has some observations to be able to share that are certainly right. legitimate and helpful. So I think it's a matter of, you know, again, back to that role responsibility. That would have to be determined right at the beginning, I think, and then that has yeah. to be conveyed to the parents. So the parents aren't, well, gee, I hope Mrs. Brown, my para, is going to send me something. Uh, meanwhile, maybe yeah. it's already been determined that it's not possible. So I think that's part of the groundwork right. that needs to be laid right at the beginning. Yeah, that's a, a good thing for parents to establish if you, like, go to back-to-school night or can have a meeting with your child's teacher early in the school year. Uh, you know, ask about that. Say, is there some informal way that we could uh, just, you know, exchange notes or have a communication book or, uh, you know, get messages through? Because sometimes there's even even very minor things can be useful to communicate, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, things that you want people to keep an eye on or things that the paras found work in class and try this with the homework. And, and it helps so much in a year if you can have that communication, but it does need to be set up in a way that everybody's comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and I think uh, that I meet yeah. the teacher at night, you know, when they have the open house at the beginning of the mm-hmm. year and, and, you know, the parents are invited yeah. to come and meet. I always uh, encouraged uh, my teachers that Ara is part of the team, yeah. therefore the dignity of accorded to member, he would or he would be side by side with the teacher, be introduced, and the the role mm-hmm. the parents, simply just the general role that Mrs. Brown is uh, working to help some of our students with their learning who uh, right. require uh, assistance. You know, j- just paying tribute to the fact, you know, I think that that's all part of communication that I've talked about and it's but it begins yeah. the parents know what the the protocol is for communication, who's getting it and who's there because that's really yeah. imperative because if the parents on side and the parents everybody working together have the success for the students automatically. Right, right. That's one of I mean I'm always urging parents to go to that back to school night and that's one of the many things. You can often take the temperature of a classroom if you go to that. How are the paras are the paras there at all? Are they being introduced? Are they being respected? Do they seem to be in charge more than the teacher is? You mm-hmm. can learn a lot that night about uh, about what the dynamics of uh, of the classroom is going to be. And I know one year my uh, my son was in a classroom that had I think three paraprofessionals plus a oh, wow. teacher who was coming back from a long uh, time of raising her children, and the power balance in that room was screwed up. <laughs> it's, um, it yeah, no, such a that huge difference. It was like one of the worst but... years he ever had. Well, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, that's something that certainly you don't want to try to, uh, you know, uh, relive and, and know that it's very painful <laughs> for parents. And along the way, there have been a few of those for myself and my wife with Lindsay. So, uh, you know, uh-huh. you'd like to try to promote uh, that not happening and try to promote a positive yeah. learning app. Because if the relationship is yeah. toxic, it does reflect lack of less Oh, we've lost you again. Yeah. The other Are thing I was going to say is that I'm always empowered and inspired because remember that paras are not among the highest paid educators, and I always open that right. up with uh, that. And therefore, they, they they are really they have a special place in their heart uh, for mm-hmm. uh, people, you know, students who are marginalized, students who need that extra help. It's that feeling of giving 
uh, to make a difference in the lives of, of other human beings that causes me to yeah. respect them, respect them greatly. Uh, again, yes. and to make sure that in that res- one of the ways I can respect them as is as a principal or just simply as a fellow educator is always the fact of the value that they have in this relationship as guides on the side. Right, right. Well, I think that their their feeling for the kids is really important, but it's also really important that they be trained uh, because it's really just not enough to want to help and, and, oh, well, and to care. Said, the you know, they need the to know what to do. And I, so I said often that, that again. The National Para yes. Conference every year is one aspect, but they they need more than that because not all of them can attend. They need to be having professional development just for parents, yeah. delivered by you know, uh, up-to-date, up-to-date data, up-to-date strategies mm-hmm. and techniques uh, from somebody who, first of all, values what they do, yeah. wants to help them sure. move forward as professionals. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that's uh, the piece that seems to be missing quite a lot of the time, and I always uh, you know, feel for individuals having to do that job with just their instincts and their parenting experience. Principals, administrators need to uh, understand the role of the para so that when they deploy yes. them, they understand their purpose and that helps the Absolutely. administrators to be make, make more accurate uh, decisions in terms of using their staff. Wonderful. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Well, unfortunately, great point. Yes, yes, that was our school bell saying that we're done for today, but this is a great topic and one that's very near to my heart as well. Uh, thank you for being our guest today, and I would like to yes, thank, thank our you. listeners yes. for tuning into our program this morning. We will be back next week at the same time with guest Susan Marks from the University of Northern Arizona, who is going to talk about including students with autism and training teachers to include students with autism. Uh, In the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, where Nicole tweets under the name inclusive underscore class, and I am at Mamatude, M-A-M-A-T-U-D-E. And finally, you can download our past podcasts for free on Stitcher and iTunes. Goodbye, everybody, and have a great week. Goodbye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.